Okay, we are in uh, Joshua chapter 1, and we are reading, um, let's start, let's pick it up from verse 5. We've covered a lot of this already where we spoke a lot last week about the Word of God, and let's pick it up from verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you, I will not fail you or forsake you. So this is now... Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you will give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We covered a lot of this portion last week. I'm going to cover more of it this week. But I want to try to also complete the chapter. And so this was the charge to Joshua by God. God charges Joshua. And now Joshua has assumed command. And now in in verse 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying... Now, this this portion in verses 1 through 9 is God is charging now Joshua with this new task. God is not going to speak to Joshua again until chapter 3, verse 7. And so now we see Joshua executing tasks. So it wasn't as if God said, Tell the people this, and then Joshua would speak. And then God says, tell the people that. And then Joshua says that. That is not the way that God was communicating to the people through Joshua. He gave Joshua a charge, and now Joshua is executing that charge and filling in many pieces that need to be filled in. And this is what Christian life is. The Lord speaks to us through the Scriptures. He speaks to us. And we spoke about this last time. The Lord speaks to us through the Scriptures as we meditate on the Word of God. But He does not give us every word to say in every situation. He does not come into our careers and tell us exactly how to design things as He told Noah on how to build the ark. Or as He told Moses on on, on how to lay out the tabernacle. And even with Moses laying out the tabernacle, He gave him dimensions. And he gave him certain parameters, but he had skilled people that filled in a lot of the details with their skill. And so you see Joshua now commanding the people in verse 10. He commands the officers of the people. Now this word officers is sort of like police officers. This is, this is, this, uh, was, was people that dealt with the secular world rather than the military part, but they overlapped. In verse 11. Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving to you to possess it. The Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land in which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives you 
gives your brothers rest as he has given you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. They answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your word in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Okay, so, so what's happening in this is Joshua tells the people, get your provisions ready. Be ready so that you can cross the river Jordan in three days. So they are in what is current day Jordan. They have overcome two kings in that strip of area. There were, there were, that, is, that was a good land. And so what happened was the Reubenites, one of the twelve tribes, the Reubenites, another tribe, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh, because the, the tribe of Manasseh was very large, half of the tribe of Manasseh said, hey, this land on the east side of the Jordan is good enough for us. We'll stay here, and then the, the other Israelites can go in and, and take that other part of the land. And Moses confronted them. He says, look, we all took this side together. You just want to do this so you don't have to fight. They said, no, we'll go and fight. So, the, so Moses said, okay, you go in before your brothers. So they settled their wives, they settled their children on the east side of the Jordan, which is current day Jordan today. They settled, so, so the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh settled their families, and they were going to lead the charge into the western side, go across the Jordan and attack that land and free up the rest of that land for the other Israelites, with the other Israelites, with them, but they were going to lead the charge. So Joshua first commands all the people, get ready because in three days we're going to cross the river. Now it turns out they could not have crossed the river in three days because he's going to send in the spies in chapter 2. The spies spend three days in the wilderness, a day in, 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 uh, uh, in Jericho, and a day getting there, a day getting back. So it was about a week or more before they're ever going to cross, but he's just saying, be ready to cross. He made plans, he established plans to cross in three days, thinking that the spies could go into the land and be back in a couple of days. His plans were messed up. So in, in other words, it's this. God charged him to do something, and he went ahead and he started to execute what he thought was the best judgment to do this. Things didn't work out exactly as he planned. He had planned in three days marching into the land. He couldn't because the spies hadn't come back for seven or eight days. So he couldn't do it. But we make plans and we can be very much in the will of God. We go ahead and we make plans and it doesn't always work out that way. This is according to the scriptures. This is the way life is. And, and uh, so this very thing was happening. And then he goes and he charges the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Joshua says, remember the deal that you guys are all settled here. You're going to lead the charge. They said, we remember. We're ready to go. You send us. We'll go in. And even what they say to him is, if anyone in, 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 verse, in, in the last verse of the chapter, he says, if anyone rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. 
So in other words, they're saying if any one of the brothers among us, any one of the fighting men among the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, any one of them will not go into the land as we promised, we will kill them. We will, go in, we will, we, we will indeed do this. So this is, this is how they're going to go into the land. But I want, to, I want to key in on a couple of verses here, which I think are really quite interesting. If you look in verse 6, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. So he commands him to be strong and courageous. This is a command. This is an imperative. He says, be strong and courageous. Now, if Joshua were already strong and courageous, he wouldn't have need, needed to command him. So in other words, Joshua needed strength and courage. Now, couldn't God have come and just waved his hand or spoken a word or dropped some dust of the earth on top of his head and said, from now on you shall be strong and courageous? No. God certainly could have done it, but he said to him, be strong and courageous. He commands him to be strong and courageous as if there's a part of a personal Interaction here. There is some responsibility in me to walk in courage and strength. And then in verse 7, he says, only be strong and very courageous. So he repeats himself again. Now, if, if by the first command to be strong and courageous, all of a sudden Joshua were strong and courageous, God never would have repeated it. But he repeated it, he said, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And then he goes on down again, and he says in verse, look at verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Again, God says to him, be strong and courageous. And the last verse of the chapter is the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are encouraging Joshua to be strong and courageous. But here, God is telling him, be strong and courageous. He says, have I not commanded you? In other words, he's emphasizing. This is a command. This is a command. Have I not commanded you? Again, if Joshua were strong and courageous, he would not have had to say it again. That's why he's saying, haven't I commanded you twice? Be strong and courageous. There is something within us that needs strength and courage. You know, very often you can, you can get a lot of insight from people who are unbelievers. I was having dinner on Friday night with a man who is a professed atheist, but I like him and he likes me. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, I just don't understand you because, because, you know, you're this scientist and you do all these great things in science. And then you, you have this whole other life where you, you're a person of faith. How do these... The, the, one would think that these can't go together. And so I was talking about him, uh, uh, to him about how there's no discord between these. But then he said, when you pray, when you pray for things, when you pray for your work, what do you pray for? How do you do this? How does that work? And I said, I never pray for the physical laws of thermodynamics to change for me. The problem with that is, if they change for me, they're not going to change for the next person. And if people can't reproduce my work, I'm in big trouble. That's sort of the way science works. It's not just 
for you singularly. Other people have to be able to reproduce it. So we don't want the laws of thermodynamics to change. In that sense, we don't want miracles to occur that change the laws of thermodynamics. Miracles generally do change the laws of thermodynamics. I mean, Mary conceives by the Holy Spirit. I mean, God changed some physical things that normally happen. He changed them. He causes the sun to stay up for an extra day in a battle with, where, where Joshua was leading a battle. That was unusual. That was changing the laws of thermodynamics. Things don't normally happen that way. But what I pray for is I pray for wisdom. I pray for insight. Because it's, the Scriptures say, the darkness and the light are the same to you. So I say, Lord, you see in the darkness when nobody else can see. You can see. Just as if it were light. Lord, show us. Give us clarity. Give us understanding. So this atheist says to me, I think I'm getting it. What God gives you is He gives you confidence and boldness. I said, that's true. He gives you confidence. And he says, because so many great people on earth, this is what he's telling me, and I could say amen to what he was saying. So many great people, what they had was a confidence and boldness to step out into things that the, the community was saying couldn't be done. When he gives us boldness and strength, it allows us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. I want you to turn to, to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. So we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1. And Jeremiah here is a young man. Now, Joshua, as we've been reading about, Joshua is about 80 years old at the time. So Joshua is not a young man. Because Joshua was about 40 years old when he had gone in to spy out the land 38 years earlier. So, so, um, so God is speaking to, to Jeremiah, and we'll pick it up at verse 5. He says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, Behold, I don't know how to speak, because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So God tells Jeremiah, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Me? I'm just a young guy. I'm just a... I'm just a freshman. You know, I'm just a young guy. He says, and even said, then, then Jeremiah says in verse, in verse 6, he says, I don't even know how to speak because I'm a youth. I don't know how to get up and, you know, hold myself in front of a crowd and speak. I don't know how to do that. And here's what the Lord says to him. But the Lord said to me in verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. So in other words, he didn't say that you're not a youth. He said, just don't say it. Just don't say I'm a youth. He says, don't keep just drawn upon yourself that you're a youth. Don't say it. He says, because everywhere I send you, you're going to go. And then he says in verse 8, do not be afraid of them. This is the biggest commandment in Scripture. Is this, fear not. Do not fear. 
This commandment is the most said commandment in all of Scripture. Do not fear. I wonder why it's the most said commandment. Maybe because we need it the most. He says to him, do not be afraid of them. I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So let's, let's turn on, uh, uh, skip down now to verse 17 of Jeremiah chapter 1. Look what he tells Jeremiah. Now gird up your loins, that means pull up your pants. Gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, as walls of bronze, against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, and to, its, to, to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So he tells them in verse 17, pull up your pants and get going. Speak all that I command you. He says, do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. In other words, be afraid to be afraid. If you will be afraid before them, I will make you really fearful. He commands him. If you don't pick this up, if you continue to walk in fear, I will really fill you with fear. He says, do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. I mean, you, you see how challenging this is. The Lord says, you are not to be afraid. You are to step into this. He says, because I have made you today as a fortified city, city as a pillar of iron and as a wall of bronze. And I've taken this, and when I was doing prison ministry, look, I am not a big person. And I would go into these prison yards, and, and, and these men were different than me. And I would be given a microphone and a flatbed truck and they'd say, stand up and say whatever you want to say. I felt really fearful. But I would quote this to myself. I have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron and a wall of bronze. And I could climb up on that truck and speak the word of God. And the men would stop dead in their tracks and look. There are things that the Lord calls you to and you must walk in it. Be afraid to be afraid. He calls us to things. This was a young man and he called him to things. He says, I have made you a fortified city as a pillar of iron and a, as a wall of bronze. Memorize that. Your minds at this age work so fast. Your synapses, boom. You could memorize this in one minute if you wanted to. I am a fortified city, a pillar of iron and a wall of bronze. And you speak that to yourself. And then you go and you do what the Lord has called you to do. To the kings of Judah. In other words, he says, to the kings of Judah, you are going to speak to kings. Who am I? I'm just a kid. You're going to speak to kings. To princes. Princes are harder to speak to than kings because they're cocky. They're young and they're caught. You're going to speak to the princess. To the priests, they're the hardest to speak to. The religious people are the hardest. Hardest. Because they think they have it all figured out. You're going to speak to the religious people, the priests, and to all the people of the land. That's what I've called you to. That's what he calls us to. This feeling where you can be fearful and dismayed never goes away. You never outgrow it. You think, oh, you know, when I'm 25, then I'll be more confident. Uh-uh. You have to continue 
to be in the Word of God and call this upon yourself. You have to continue. You think, well, when I'm in my 50s, then I'll be fine. You know, I'll know so much and everybody else, they, they won't know nearly as much as I know. And then I'll be really confident. No, you won't. You'll feel too old. I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I don't, I don't know how to tweet. I don't know how to, you know, use Instagram. I don't know how to pull in all these sort of imagery that, that occurs when, when, when you, you give these messages. And I don't know how to use all these props that the young people use in their messages. I'm not adequate for this. You will never feel adequate. You always must call upon this. And this happens throughout one's life, throughout one's career, where things happen. And fear wants to, to just thrust upon us. And God says to us, Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Joshua was 40 years old when he first went into the land as a spy. And he came out boldly. He says, Yes, the people are huge. We're just little Jewish people. Those people are huge. But they'll become our prey. They'll become our prey. Because God will overcome them. We'll take that land. He was bold. Now he's 80 years old and God has to continue to encourage him. Be strong and courageous. You know, when you're 80 years old, you're like, I'm not sure I want to go up that mountain right now. It's a big hill. Why don't we just live here in the valley? But he says, you are to be strong and courageous. He calls us throughout our lives into these sort of things. And it never goes away. Let me, let me share with you just something from my own life. Something that, that I'm struggling with. So you see that it never goes away. You'd think I'd, I must have it all together. Funding situations within academia are becoming very, very hard. The federal budgets have, have not increased in, 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 in federal support for grant funding in eight years. So you'd think everything remained level. Flat. No. When the budgets don't go up, it actually goes down because the cost of things continues to rise up. There was a stimulus in 2009, which a huge amount of money was dumped in, into research. And because of that, medical schools hired lots of new people to try to take up this money, but that was just for one year. So now you have a lot more people than there were, ever were competing for the same pot of money. So it's become much harder because of that stimulus. So I've seen my group, my research group, from 2014 to now decrease in size by 50%. So if I look at my group picture, we had about 45 people in the picture in 2014. Now if I look at the group picture from a couple of months ago, we have about 25. And now we have about 22 or 21 people. So do you think that that raises any concern? Oh no, tour your fine. No, that raises lots of concern for me. Imagine if your budgets cut substantially. So with the decline of the oil money, I lost about 65% of my support over a period of one year in 2015. Imagine if 65% of your support went away. Would that cause you concern? I mean, it causes me the same concern. I mean, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to do this? And the Lord continues to speak to me. And so I, I look at my research group and He reminds me from the Scriptures about a man named Gideon. Turn to Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges, chapter 6. 
In Judges chapter 6, the Midianites and the Amalekites came to attack the land. And God called Gideon to deal with it. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 14, it says, The Lord looked at him, that's Gideon, the Lord looked at Gideon and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He says, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Now, Gideon was not a general. Gideon was just a regular guy. Just a regular guy. In fact, Gideon complained. He says, you know, I, I come from the smallest tribe. I come I'm the, from the, the lowest of families in that tribe. And I'm the youngest in my whole household. He, God says to him, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Oh, okay. You just said, have I not sent you? So, okay, now I feel better. Now I'm going to go in that strength. I mean, it's not like he handed him a big sword that was just shining. He said, go in this your strength. He says, go in this your strength. Have I not sent you? So, in the same chapter, in the same chapter, down at, 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 uh, at, at verse 38, it says, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, so it was really the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves. It says all of them assembled themselves and they crossed over and they camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and the Abizrites were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. And they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they came up to meet him, to meet them. So in other words, he blew a trumpet and all of these forces come amass to help out Gideon to battle the Midianites and the Amalekites. You think this was easy for Gideon? Remember, he's not a trained soldier. You're not always trained for the situations that you find yourself in. You're not. This is life. So, turn over to, to, um, to the next chapter, Judges chapter 7. So, he's got 32,000 troops amassed. And how do I know 32,000? Because we're about to figure that out by arithmetic. Alright, verse 1. Gideon, uh, uh, Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerubel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the, sea, the spring of Herod. And the camp of the Midians was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hand. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My, my own power has delivered me. Now therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. So how many people did he have originally? 32,000. So God says that's too much. Now remember, it's all of Midian and the Amalekites and the people of the east came. We don't know how many it was, but it was a lot. 32,000 of the Israelites joined together. And God says, just say to them, who's ever afraid and trembling, let them depart. So Gideon's probably thinking, okay, maybe 50 guys would say, you know, I'm kind of scared. 22,000. 
So two out of three people just start walking away. It's like, guys, don't be afraid. No, you said, if we're afraid, we're trembling. Look at my hand, I'm trembling. We can go. And they just start walking away. And Kevin's like, Lord, what are you doing? You're just going to leave me here like this? Two out of three people gone. The Lord says, don't worry. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Therefore it shall be that, that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But the rest of the people kneeled to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and will give you the Midianites into your hand. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. So the 300 men took the people's provisions, their trumpets into their hand. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but, refrain, but, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. Okay, so 9,700 men kneel down and stick their face in the water and start drinking. Only 300 men scoop up water and start lapping it up like that. So Gideon's thinking, okay, he's going to give me the 9,700 and the 300 men will go. He says, no, the 300 men are the ones for you. Life is hard. So when I reflect upon what's happened to my funding, what's happened to my research group, and, and it's hard to see that going away because I've spent 30 years building my group up to that size. You think it's easy to see that just... No, oh, it hurts me. Life is rough. Things happen. And I read this, and the Lord reminds me of Gideon, of how he delivered them with 300 men. And he keeps bringing me back to Gideon. And he keeps reminding me about Gideon. What he's going to accomplish with 300 men. And my heart is encouraged. And he says to me, be strong and courageous. I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. So I have to pick this up by faith. It isn't as if he just drops this, this thing on me. I have to pick this up by faith. I have to pick it up and be strong and courageous. This is what He gives to us. It never goes away in life. You will always be confronted in situations. It doesn't just happen to young people like Jeremiah. It happens throughout your life. Uh, Joshua was 80 years old. I'm not 80, but I'm not a kid. It happens all the way through. Things happen. And we constantly are put in this place where He commands us, to be strong and courageous. You are to be strong and courageous. You are to do what God has called you to do. And there is a part of faith that we have to say, I will walk in strength. I will walk in courage. The scriptures say, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You get into the word of God 
and you start meditating on this and it will give you strength for whatever confronts you. If you do not know the Lord, you cannot know what I am talking about. But if you know the Lord, you can take of this word and you can say, Lord, fill me, fill me as you did with Gideon. Fill me where you took 300 men. You, you brought it from 32,000 to 300. You gave him 1% of what he had. 1% of what he had. Less than a percent of what he had. And you were going to conquer through him. I mean, how much does that encourage me? If I started with a group of 45, I should, I should be like, like uh, have half a student. Less than half a student and I should be fine if you go by the same statistics. I should be fine. This is what He encourages us with. He has something great for us. Something great. And it is a constant walk of being bold and being courageous in taking the steps that God has caused us to take. One day you will graduate. Some of you will go into ministry. And you will be dropped into situations where you feel totally unprepared. I don't know how to lead this group. Remember, I, I'm one of the guys who just sits here and other people lead me. Other people teach me. And all of a sudden, you've got to teach. You feel totally inadequate. Some of you will go on to be professors. Professors are not taught how to teach. And it shows. I mean, every time we get up, it shows. And you're dropped in front of a classroom of 300 people. And you're like, what do I do? Teach. I don't know how to teach. None of us know how to teach. Just teach. Just speak. And you feel totally inadequate for what's before you. And you have to walk in boldness and in courage. God places us in situations where we have to take the Word of God and rely upon Him. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank You so much for Your Word, for it is true. I pray, Lord, for these young people that You would give them boldness and courage and that they would take that by faith, the boldness and courage by faith. And Father, that they would walk in far more than they could ever ask or think. And Father, when, when they plan and prepare and things start crumbling around them, Lord, I pray that they would continue to walk in boldness and in faith because You are doing great things. Father, I pray that because of this day, these young people would learn to extract precious truths from Your Word. Precious truths, I pray. And Father, I pray that You would so fill and move and work in their lives. And Lord, for those here who do not know You, who are unable to extract these truths and take hold of them because they've never taken the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts. Father, I pray that this day they would say, Father, forgive me because I am a sinner. Lord Jesus, come into my heart for You are indeed Lord and You've risen from the dead. Father, I pray that You draw them to a point of salvation this day that they would not delay and let this opportunity slip by. Have mercy on these young people, I pray.
may they glorify you for the glory of Jesus. Amen.